You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. is what thoroughly prepares us for any work God might call us to do. Many of you have a legitimate desire, and I love this about some of you guys. You have such a desire to serve the Lord. I can see it in your heart. I hear the things you say. And you go, Lord, help me. I want to serve you. I want to do this. And this is great. This is a good thing. It's proper. And you should have this desire to serve Him. When God places that desire in your heart, It's a good thing. In today's message, Pastor Dave will remind you that God has a mission in mind for your life. You may know what it is, or you may not, but there is a way for you to become equipped for whatever it may be. The Bible. The Bible tells us that the Bible prepares for any and all good works that the Lord might call us to do. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 8. As he begins his message, the restoration begins. So if you have a Bible, turn to 2 Samuel 8. 2 Samuel 8. You'll find that right after 7, right before 9. For those of you who are struggling with those kind of things, you know, I want to help you out so you can find that. We're going to be in 2 Samuel chapter 8. 2 Samuel chapter 8. I'm not going to read through it. Um, We're going to read through it as we go along. So chapter 8 is basically a history lesson. Chapter 8 is basically a history lesson, and we could very easily read through it and move on to chapter 9. But you know I won't do that. Because I don't want to miss out on anything that the Lord would have for us in His Word. We must not allow anything to sidetrack us from gleaning the scriptures of what God has purposed in them for tonight. And when I say these things, it's a common thread that you've been hearing from me a lot. And when I say these things, and when I go to the next scriptures, some of you are probably going to roll your eyes and go, well, here we go again. And that's okay, because I'm going there anyhow. I don't mind. I like rolling eyes. I was a school teacher for 37 years. I've seen, I've seen eyes roll. Paul writing to his beloved son Timothy in the second letter, in second cha- in third chapter of Timothy 16 and 17. You probably know it by heart. I've said it so many times. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, for instructions in righteousness. Why? That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Why do you study the scriptures? So that we could be complete. Complete simply means mature, fully mature. That's what he wants. God wants you to be fully mature. He wants you to be fully complete in him so that the man or woman would be ready to do what God wants you to do. 
what God has called you to do, what God has gifted you to do. How do we get mature? How do we get this full maturity and how do we become complete? Well, we read that in 2 Timothy, through the word of God. It's the word of God. The word of God is what thoroughly prepares us for any work God might call us to do. Many of you have a legitimate desire, and I love this about some of you guys. You have such a desire to serve the Lord. I can see it in your heart. I hear the things you say. And you go, Lord, help me. I want to serve you. I want to do this. And this is great. This is a good thing. It's proper. And you should have this desire to serve him. When God places that desire in your heart, it's a good thing. But then God begins the preparation. God begins the preparation and he works. And most important, the most important part of your preparation is studying the word of God. Paul says in 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show yourself approved. Study to show yourself approved, 2 2.15. First of all, he says, be diligent to present yourself approved of God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That's what God wants us to do. This is where we get the maturity in his word of God. So if you really want God to use you in your life, then you need to be thoroughly equipped by the word of God. Study, understanding, and most definitely, application. Let us be doers of your word, not hearers only. Because what happens is if you hear it and you hear it and you hear it, you come a, come a fat tick. You become a fat tick because all you've done is take it in, take it in, take it in, and you've never given out. And you have you become a fat tick on the word of God. Now, this is not a bad thing, but then God has equipped you and gets you out into the field. That's why we go line by line, verse by verse, precept upon precept. We plod right through the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. We go through them. We study every single word because we want you thoroughly equipped. We want you complete. The whole idea is that you get thoroughly fitting as an instrument that God can use. And you'll find that as God's words become part of your everyday life, and you begin to be guided by that word of God, you begin to be guided by the Holy Spirit, God will begin to use you in most exciting ways. You'll find yourself talking about him in the craziest places. God will open up hearts before you. And you'll see people come to God, come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. But so often we make a mistake and what we want to do without being equipped, we want to run out. We want to run out and we wonder why we fail. We wonder why things don't go the way we think they should. It's because we're not equipped. So God gives us the word scripture for inspiration. By inspiration of God, and it is profitable. Now, like I said, some of you, when I go through this crazy tirade of mine about the word of God, when you hear it, you roll your eyes. Well, Paul clearly said in Philippians 3, he says this, Finally, my brother, Rejoice in the Lord, for me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but it is for your sake. Now, if you have an old King James, what I call the original King James, it says, it's not grievous. It's not grievous. In other words, don't get mad at me when I keep reminding you to read your word. 
Don't get mad at me when I keep bringing up the fact that we need to be in the Word of God, that we need to know the Word of God, that it needs to take place in our heart. Don't get angry at me because Paul is telling the Philippians, hey, it's for your safety. It's for you to know. Because then in chapter 3, he starts talking about beware of dogs, beware of the evil workers, beware of a mutilation. He's talking about the Judaizers who are coming in to tear apart the, 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 the Christian. So it's not grievous that you know the Word of God. It's not grievous at all. It's so super important. It's super important. So as we come to chapter 8, didn't think I'd get there, did you? So as we come to chapter 8, we see that the restoration of Israel, the one that began a long time ago, that God began, continues. And David begins an all-out attack on all of Israel's enemies. You know, since David was crowned king and Israel was restored to one nation, David knew the promises of the Lord. We talked about that last week. David knew and understood the promises of God. David knew and understood and accepted the promises for Israel, for him. He knew that. He accepted that. David knew that God had promised Abraham according to the book of Genesis, but David was not content. Look at Genesis, if you will, for a minute. You don't have to turn there. I'll read it to you. Chapter 15, verse 18. God is giving the Abrahamic covenant, and he's talking to Abraham. God is speaking to Abraham, and he says this. On the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, in verse 18, To your descendants I have given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. God had given them this huge amount of land from the river of Egypt. I'm thinking it's the Nile. It's got to be the Nile. All the way to the river Euphrates. God has given this to Israel. Now you remember when we studied Joshua. When we studied Joshua, they came into the land, but they didn't take all the land. They didn't take all the land. They fell short from getting the land that God had given them. So David would not and could not be content with anything less than the fulfillment of God's promise. I love that about David. I really do. I think that's cool. He wanted what God wanted for him. He knew the promises in the word of God. And David said, I want that. Not only for him, he wanted it for the nation Israel. That's what he wanted. David wouldn't be content in anything less than a fulfillment of God's purpose for himself and the people he learned. Wow, can we learn from this? Can we learn from this? Like David, we too should not be content with anything less than the fulfillment of God's promises. The promises that are found in his word, because this is what David knew. David knew the word of God. And he said, God, you've given us this great land from the Nile River, the river of Egypt, all the way to the river Euphrates. And we haven't taken it. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. David was a man of faith. And he believed God's promises. And then what he does, he acted upon them. And we got to learn something from that. We've got to learn God has given us Great and precious promises. And somebody the other time last week came to me and said, Peter never said great and precious promises. Well, we're going to get to that today. Peter certainly did say the word precious several times. They were great and precious promises. In fact, we're there right now. Look at 2 Peter. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Actually, I'm going to read 2 through 4. Peter is writing his second epistle. And he writes this in verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. How? In the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Let me stop there for a minute. 
Where do we get the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord? The Word. In the Word. So this, this supports everything that I've been saying. So he says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord as his, God's, divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. All things for life and godliness we've been given. It's been given to us by which we have been given to us exceedingly what? Great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Great and precious promises that God has given to us through his son, Jesus Christ. These are rich promises. They are precious promises. Now, what does that mean? That means that whatever you may be going through right now, whatever has befallen you, maybe you're in the eye of the storm, Maybe you're going through some different things. Maybe you're going through some things that you've gone through a while. There isn't one circumstances that you'll ever face. There isn't one storm that will ever come upon you. There isn't one thing that will ever, ever happen to you that isn't talked about in the Word of God where there's a promise to you about. Not one thing. Not one thing. So you can see why we push studying the Word of God. You can see why we always speak about studying the Word of God and letting the Word of God richly dwell in you. Let God's Word richly dwell in you. A promise of God's help, a promise of God's deliverance, a promise of God's provision, God's strength, whatever it is that you may need. We've talked about this before. Jehovah, the becoming one. What do you you need God for? God has given us these exceedingly rich and precious promises that we may lay hold of them, and that we may claim them for ourselves. And then we become partakers of the divine nature. And these promised blessings of the gospel are extremely precious. We have promises. What was the Old Testament promise? What was the promise in the Old Testament? Well, that was one of them. But what was the main promise of the Old Testament? The Messiah would come. The Messiah would come. You can read that in Hebrews 11.39. The Messiah would come. Can anybody tell me what the promise is of the New Testament? Coming again is definitely a promise that we can cling to, but before that, it's called the promise of the Father. Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father. The promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit, and how precious the Spirit is. The Spirit enlightens us. The Spirit empowers us. He guides us. He leads us. He's in the process of sanctifying us. The Spirit is so important in our lives. He gives us gifts for edification. He gives us gifts for administration. He gives us gifts for teaching and education. He's God with us. He's God in us, and he's God upon us, the Holy Spirit. And those who receive the promises of the gospel then partake of a divine nature, Peter says. We become renewed in the spirit of their mind and we are turned to be turned into the image of God. In the knowledge, in the righteousness, in the holiness, and our hearts are set for God in his service. Have you experienced those promises of God in your life? Have you experienced those promises of God in your life? 
If you are content without those promises, God bless you. If you are content without those promises, God bless you. But I will tell you right now, according to the Word of God, He wants so much more for you. He wants so much more for you. I'm not saying you're not going to heaven. I'm not saying that you're not saved. I'm not saying. You don't hear that from me. How can I prove this? Well, I can prove this in the Old Testament. And we studied it. When they came to the Jordan River and the entire nation of Israel was ready to cross. Two and a half tribes said, we don't want to go into the promised land. We want to stay here. We're choosing to stay on this side of the river. And Joshua said, fine, stay there. Were they blessed by God? Sure they were. Were they children of Israel? Sure they were. Did they miss out? Absolutely. They didn't cross over into the promised land. I call it John 10.10. I have come that they may have life and life more abundant. They didn't want the abundant life. They were satisfied. They were happy. You can be satisfied and you can be happy. You can be saved. I'll see you in heaven. God bless you. And your life will be just that. But if you want the abundant life that has been offered by Jesus Christ, then you need to accept God's promises. You need to accept in your life the promises of God because they totally missed out on tremendous blessing. Like David, we too should be con not content until we have all that God has given us through Jesus Christ. David believed in God's promises and he acted upon them. These victories would mean peace and safety for the people. No longer would they be living under constant threats of the Philistines or the Moabites or Edomites. They wouldn't, they wouldn't be living in fear of them. Israel was given a great task by God. God wanted Israel to show the people of the world him. God wanted Israel to show the people of the world who he was. And they failed miserably. They didn't show the people. In fact, they ended up hating the other people. They end up hating the Gentiles. Their, their contempt for the Gentiles is well known. They were supposed to bear witness of the one true living God. They were supposed to bring the scriptures of the Messiah into the world. So David goes off after lost territory. Territory, I might add, that King Saul lost. Territory that I might add that King Saul lost some of. The church should take note of this today, folks. We should take note of this today because in Matthew 28, they call it the Great Commission. We've been given the authority to go forth and preach the gospel and make disciples. We've been given that. We've been given that. We've been given that. We're to bear witness of Jesus Christ in all the earth. We're to love others while taking the gospel to the world. But we too as a church have lost territory. Hold on, stay with me. We've lost territory as a church. We've lost ground to the pro-abortionist. We've lost ground, ground to the anti-prayer movement. We've lost ground to the anti-Christian movement. We've lost ground to the drug war, the alcohol war. We've lost ground as a church. We've sat in silence as millions upon millions upon millions of babies are killed. Yearly, the church has sat basically in silence. These movements have gained power. We've allowed them to throw the Bible and prayer out of school without any to do. The church never stood up and yelled and screamed and hollered. We need David and his mighty men. 
We need to be David and his mighty men who step out in faith and reclaim the territory that the evil one took. We need to step out in faith and reclaim that territory. The church has been silent way too long. And remember, if you feel like I'm pointing a finger at you, there's three pointing back at me. I'm just as guilty as the next one. I'm saying the church as a whole. It's almost, folks, it's almost to the scary point. It's almost to the point where we're back in the late 30s and early 40s where the church of Germany and thousands upon thousands and millions of Jews are being killed. It's the same thing that happened back then. Bonhoeffer, I think, was the only one that stood up against them. Diedrich Bonhoeffer, read some of his stuff. Wow, he's got some great stuff. We've got to reclaim this territory for God. We've got to reclaim this territory. What's interesting about chapter 8 is that in chapter 8, David covers all four corners of the land. In the west, he takes out the dreaded Philistines. In the east, he takes out the Moabites. In the north, the Armenians and the Syrians. And in the south, he takes out the Edomites. He takes all the four corners. So let's look at verse 1. Look at verse 1 in chapter 8. After this, after David's beautiful time with the Lord, and the Lord raised him up. Now, those are some. Some believe that this actually happened between chapter 6 and 7. Some believe that this, this happened between chapter 6 and 7. And if you're a Bible student, you know that the Bible isn't always chronological. It's not always chronological. So I don't know. It here it says, after this, it came to pass that David attacked the Philistines and subdued them. And David took Metheg Amah from the hand of the Philistines. The dreaded Philistines, Israel's traditional enemy. Methagamah is another name for the city Gath, the capital. Remember, David lived there. David was in Gath several times. It actually means to bridle of the mother city. And to take this city actually meant to take the bridle, which means gain control and put them in submission. David wiped out the Philistines. If you look at that, he wiped out the Philistines. Let's go to verse 2. Then he defeated Moab. Forcing them down to the ground, he measured them off with a line. And with two lines, he measured off those to be put to death and one full line to those to be kept alive. So the Moabites became David's servants and bought tribute. The Moabites. The Moabites came out of an illicit affair that Lot had with his daughters after getting drunk. You can find that. I think it's in 19 of Genesis. That's where the Moabites came from. And they're actually related to the Jews. What's interesting here is David was related to a Moabite. Who was it? Ruth. Yeah, it was his great-grandma. His great-grandmother was Ruth, the Moabitess. You are the book of 2 Samuel is a continuation of David's journey to the throne promised him years before. It follows his life and relationship with God, with his family, and with the people entrusted to his leadership. David has much to teach you, and we encourage you to continue studying this Old Testament book. 
If you missed any part of today's teaching on Assure Hope, or if you'd like to listen to additional teachings from Pastor Dave, visit assurehoperadio.com today. Maybe today, as you were listening, you found you have some questions about faith and maybe even about salvation. We'd be happy to talk with you and provide some resources to answer your questions and start you on a journey that will change your life for the better. Give us a call. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. And while you're on our website, visit the page How to Be Saved to read all about the plan of salvation God set up long ago. We'd love to meet you, too. If you're in the area, join us this weekend at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. You can find directions and more information at assurehoperadio.com. We'd love to connect with you on Facebook, too. Just follow the link on our page to follow us. We're coming to an end of our time with you today. We're so glad you took the time to study God's Word today with Pastor Dave, and we hope you'll join us next time as we explore deeper into the book of 2 Samuel, right here on Assure Hope.